Welcome to the TurfNet Renovation Report, brought to you by Golf Preservations and the Andersons. I'm Anthony Piaf, your host, and joining me today is Jeff Johnson, the golf course superintendent at the Minnecotta Club uh, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for having me. So, Jeff, uh, the reason I want to have you on is probably a little over a year ago, I had your past uh, grounds chairman, Doug DeGrudon, talking about the decision-making process when Minnecotta decided to regrass their greens. And now that you are, is this about a year into it? When did you regrass? We started the process on July 23rd. So just a little over a year into the process. And so I want to talk to you about, Doug, Doug did a great job. And for people who want to hear the interview, you can go to the, uh, the Renovation Report archives and listen to the conversation. I, uh, he did a great job explaining how the club came about doing this because there's a lot of people, I think, who would have said that you had great greens and they didn't need to be regressed. And he explains why, and he talks about your point of view. But let's talk about uh, j from July of 2018, the process and, and how that went. Our process, um, a, a little different than maybe a lot of people would go about it, but um, we ended up stripping our greens. Um, had a contractor, done a construction, local contractor, uh, come in and, and stripped the surfaces. We had about 40 years of top dressing built up on the greens. Um, so we had a nice profile on the push-ups. So uh, we didn't feel like there was any need to rebuild greens. That, that, if that would have came up, I think the process would have, um, it never would have happened. Um, good mix on the greens, um, not a high organic content, but just, Every, everything was kind of a very good growing medium. The other thing we had, we already had XGD drainage in all the greens. That was a process that was done five to six years in advance, not necessarily knowing that we were going to regrass ever, but if, the, if it ever did come up, we kind of already made up our mind at that point we were never going to rebuild the greens completely. We had drainage. We've got a good mix. And I think it took us a little while to decide if we wanted to strip the greens or not. But at the end of the day, the decision was made to strip the sod, rototill the profile, and have Dunnick uh, regrade the greens back to the original um, contours, basically what was there. And and your greens are all and your greens are all over 100 years old, right? Yeah, 120 years old. Right. I mean, I right. Some some so the the course goes back to 1899. It was expanded from nine holes to 18 by Tom Bendelow. And then after the 1916 U.S. Open, which was won by Chick Evans, an amateur, Donald Ross came in. Correct. And so you have those, you have those greens going back, some greens going back to 1899. And, of course, they change over the years. So you're, you're airifying. You're, right. There's no plans that depict what those contours were exactly. It's just kind of what, what the membership remembers right. and, and what the GPS tells you, the markings that you have. And so you try to put them back the best you can from that standpoint. Uh, we had a our eighth green was redone in the 90s by Craig Schreiner. Um, when Ron Pritchard came in in 0203, there were never any changes made to the contours on that greens, but the membership had never really been pleased with how that green played. And our 13th green was originally a two-tiered green. And at some point, it was that tier was taken out, and Ron put it back in. But there was not, a, we didn't really have enough 
uh, room up on the top shelf. So we wanted to make some changes to that green as well. And so we knew both those greens needed to be stripped in order for these changes to be made. And so if you're going to strip two greens and rototill them, why wouldn't you just do all 18 in the practice green so everything's consistent and the same? And I don't think we were going to get that if we just fumigated and seeded into the mat layer. So that had a little bit to do with the decision to rototill them. We also want to take care of any corrections in surface drainage. Here's your opportunity to do that. Let's let's take care of those changes. Of course, it's a little risky and, and nerve-wracking anytime you open up your greens and have the soil exposed. Um, it seems like we get a lot of torrential downpours anytime it rains in August now. It's just not a, a nice, gentle rain. It's a red blob on the radar and, and we're going to get hit with uh, a downpour and so that you're a little susceptible when you're when you're doing those things so um, certainly something to kind of be cognizant of but uh, we know weather's a factor anytime you're you're doing a project like this and we're all 18 greens um, stripped at the same time so you had 18 18 greens sitting out there that if a downpour came there could be <laughs> massive problems yeah I mean that's kind of how it works so the contractor comes in and basically in about two days everything was stripped on them but then the rototill process takes quite a while certainly not something i mean i've never done a project like this before and you kind of have to trust the contractor and you know what they're doing and but when you see a, a tractor and a rototiller on your 120 year old greens that you've been working on for 20 years and you go <laughs> <laughs> You just, you got, I just, the whole time when I was doing the project, I just, I had to say that to myself, you know, trust the process. Um, We're just growing grass. Uh, These guys have it all under control. We had a timeline because they didn't have a long period to get the greens back in place before the fumigation process uh, started because you got to have the contractor, the fumigators lined up. They need to know when they're going to start because they're coming in from a different part of the country, so you just can't uh, do this whenever, you know, you finally feel like you're ready. Right. And and so they were under tight window, and I guess that's probably one of my concerns was, you know, are, are you getting enough done every day? But they do. I mean, they have, they do this for a living. They've got I was going to say, yeah, they're professionals, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they can see the their head guy was just calm and cool. I'm like, well, you know, if he's not sweating about it, what what do I need to be concerned about? <laughs> I got other things to deal with. You guys get these greens put back in place and and uh, get them ready to fumigate, and I'll deal with the fumigators. And you know, just it's kind of high mentality you kind of have to give yourself. Uh, but yeah, Dunnick did a great job. They put them put all the greens back. Um, to the right contours, and and then about August, uh, well, I got to look at some dates here. Um, early August, then uh, Trias Ag was our fumigator. They came in from Georgia, okay, and uh, applied the basimid. Uh, you know, basimid is a product that needs to be water activated, and again, that that product you wouldn't need to cover. There's there's two ways to go about it. You can cover water it and cover it, um, and let the fumigant do its thing under a plastic tarp, or you can just 
uh, apply it and continually water it uh, so that it works properly. And uh, so they've got protocol for both. Uh, we, we're, we've got some proximity to a large lake in the Twin Cities area. And I'd, I guess from a liability standpoint, we wanted to cover them, make sure that the fumigant stayed in place if we got some rains. Right. And uh, sure enough, I think the day they covered them, we had a, a downpour and it just gives you some peace of mind knowing that the the plastic's there in place and you're not going to move the product off its site, um, even though you're only talking green, small right. areas. It just felt a little bit better um, with that process. So th- those covers were on for a week, five days, and then removed. And then Dunnick had to come back and do some final touch-ups on the greens, um, before we were ready to seed. So you put the fumigant down, you put the fumigant down after we did after they've been contoured. Yeah. I think you wrote it to a contour. Yeah. Okay. I think you could go about it the other way. I mean, that was just our thought process. Um, quite frankly, yeah, maybe you'd want to rototill them and, and fumigate them first and have that behind you and then get them ready to, um, as they're contouring them back, regrading them, you you can be seeding greens following those guys around. You know, you follow them around the course and seed them. Right. It never came up that way. Um, certainly now, in retrospect, it could have been an option for us, which might have been good because we could have um, started seeding greens maybe sooner. But, you know, it's all in, in hindsight at this point. Right, but maybe some advice for somebody else who right um, thinks about the process for them, certainly. Okay, good. And then, so so you the seed goes down. This thing starts in July. When when does the when does the seed go down? For us, it ended up to be the 29th and 30th of August. Okay. Due to some rain events, uh, we kind of missed our window by about a, a week. I was hoping to have green seeded by the 20th of August, and it didn't really, weather didn't allow that um, exactly. We did have some downpours after the fumigant went down and or after greens had been fumigated and then recontoured. We had a downpour and uh, rewash some greens, so they had to regrade them. And uh, at that point, we didn't have any more they had already shipped the GPS equipment um, out of state, so the shaper had to put him back by feel, and he, he did an awesome job. And in some regards, the the weather, the rain did some unique uh, contouring on a few of the greens, so I think we ended up with some pretty nice <laughs> contours and some very subtle uh, little movement on a few greens that we didn't have before, and I, I I think it turned out great from that standpoint. That's Mother great. Mother Nature kind of yeah. dictated some of those greens. So seed went down at the end of August, and uh, September was a pretty nice month for us. Overall, we, we had some warm temperatures to get the greens up and going. And then uh, the bottom kind of fell out at the end of September. October was cloudy for two weeks and wet and you know, just not ideal growing conditions. So I just kind of backed off and, and let the greens do the, their thing. Um, but while all that was going on with the fumigation of the greens in early August, 
we had already round up fairways and um, and then overseeded and slit seeded fairways with the turfco tri waves so as greens were were being fumigated we had already had fairways seeded that was about a four day process with two machines and uh started watering green fairways as as the process was uh, kind of unfolding on greens so before we had greens even seeded we already had a couple mowings on fairways so that was kind of nice and what did you put down tell me what you put down for seed on the fairways and on the greens so greens was a straight 007 from seed research and fairways was is the dominant extreme seven so it's just the two-way blend of 007 and 1150. And how did you come about that? those decisions? Certainly some research, as well as uh, knowing what, seeing some other golf courses and what, what they've put in. Um, Winfield United, it's a, one of our suppliers for soft goods. And a gentleman by the name of Bruce Jump, who works for Winfield, he put together a program with all the NTEP trials and uh, just gathered all the data. It's so hard to look through NTEP trials and the, the pages of information. <laughs> right. Bruce took all that information and, and digitized it so that if you're looking for a specific traits, like we need good snow mold protection in brown patch and um, I, looking for a plant that's going to come out of winter strong, um, hold good color through the fall. Things that we're looking for might be different than someone down in, you know, Missouri really needs warm temperature or uh, just different uh, traits in the plant. So you can enter that data in his program, and he'll come up with, uh, it'll just show you what grasses are near the top. Uh, maybe color is more important for you than disease resistance. You're going to spray no matter what. Okay, maybe you don't, you know, whatever your traits are that you're looking for. And 007 just kept coming to the top for us every time. Okay. It was, and uh, former assistant of mine, Jake Schmitz, over at Olympic Hills local club, he put 007 in, just like the grass and, you know, really can, probably can't go wrong with a lot of the grasses that are out there. They're all going to meet your needs to some degree, but uh, membership like their greens. And uh, so, yeah, it was an easy one to go cool. for us. Well, let, let's do this, Jeff, right now. Let's, let's take a quick break uh, for a word from our sponsor. We'll be right back. Introducing Genesis RX575, a comprehensive fertility and soil amendment product from the Andersons, specifically developed for construction, renovation, aerification, sprigging, sodding, and seeding. This blend of dispersing granule, DG, components provides the most comprehensive fertilizer the Andersons has ever offered, with the goal of providing a single product solution designed to save time and application and reduce fertility program complexity. For a limited time, take advantage of a special introductory offer. For more information on Genesis RX 575, visit startwithgenesis.com. From green drainage to sod work, Golf Preservations can handle your project with ease and give you the peace of mind to know the professionals are caring for your valuable golf course assets. 
Visit GolfPreservations.com or call 606-499-2732 to talk to us directly about your next project. Okay, we're back on the TurfNet Renovation Report. My guest today is Jeff Johnson, who is the golf course superintendent of Minicata Club in Minneapolis. And we're talking about the regrassing of his greens. And we got you all the way through. We went into the fall of 2018. You went into the winter okay in 2018? Yeah, I, I, I think we were okay. I guess that's, you never know, right? We've got new grass. Um, I was hoping for some deeper roots. But we had a pretty nice November, uh, despite having a less than ideal start to October. October ended up getting fairly mild for us and tapering off. And November wasn't too bad. Um, I remember walking the course around Thanksgiving. We didn't have any snow yet, and uh, you could just see the density was still kind of improving. You get a cup cutter in a few areas, and roots were down about three inches on greens. And um, I not really know what to expect, I guess, but we went into winter and in, in good cover, good density on the greens, and I think that was the most important part for us. Uh, and then around the 27th of December, Minnesota had a rain event come through um, the middle of the state. We had about an inch and a half of rain, and uh, I was walking the, the golf course for about four hours that day just shoveling some snow and slush out from the fronts of greens just so the water would drain and get away from them because at this point we don't have covers on them anymore. Our plan is to go in winter without covers. We don't need them. We're, the whole point of covers in our area is to protect you, protect the POA. And uh, so we wanted to already start getting these plants acclimated and so we went into winter with that in mind and uh, it's a little nerve-wracking knowing you've got an inch and a half of rain and you're building up ice on these greens. Right. Uh, we did get a nice thaw in early January, so we were able to get most of the ice removed. A lot of it just uh, evaporated and um, didn't really have to deal with it, but it's always a concern. And then we had some record snowfalls, <laughs> and uh, it was just a crazy <laughs> record cold. Right. You know? Right. We had that in January in, in record snow, so we kind of got hit with a little bit of everything. But uh, we came out of winter in great shape. Uh, a lot of the courses with pull-off came out of winter in terrible condition. So we felt bad for those guys, but from a membership perspective, it was very eye-opening to a lot of people and to say we made maybe for those who weren't in favor of the process, in the project, why do we need to do this? Uh, it was a little more eye-opening to them to know that, hey, we came out in great shape. Um, you know, is that going to happen every time? Maybe not. We've right. still a plant that you have to, that's susceptible. But um, we emerged from winter in pretty good condition. So that was good to see. Uh, we were closed. The plan was to stay closed through into June and open sometime hopefully between June and July 1st, not knowing what the weather was going to bring. Right. And, uh, and so <laughs> another cold, wet spring grass didn't want to do a lot. Right. So we just kind of let it be and, you know, just slowly managed it down, getting the heights down, top dressing. 
those normal practices and uh it was i guess the probably the most fun was watching the roots just grow right through the profile and as we got closer towards opening the roots just got deeper and deeper and deeper I'm like I've been a poa farmer for you know 20 years and right hockey puck size roots in the end of August and I'm like this yeah this is what what I envisioned I guess and dreamed of all the time of finally having a, a root system that uh when you cut a cup you got roots hanging out the bottom of the cup cutter and like <laughs> yeah, you, you, yeah, you posted some tremendous photos. I, I, I think it was on Facebook, and, and it was just of the roots hanging out of the bottom of the cup cutter. Yeah, I've told members I'm just giddy changing cups a lot of times because I just <laughs> pull out the cup cutter and look at the bottom, and uh, and then we use an iPro cup cutter, so you're taking one big plug, and uh, normally you never eject the profile out. But I had to do that a few times just to kind of grab it by the top and hold on to it and just kind of take yeah. pictures and, you know, just right. revel in the fact of <laughs> <laughs> this, this is, this is going to be our our greens for a long, long time to come. So it's, right. uh, it's pretty right. exciting from that standpoint. Yeah, yeah. And it has to – I mean, I'm sure you had many sleepless nights during the winter, but now, I mean, the, the, on the other side, you you now have to be much more – um, confident of your greens with that kind of uh, root depth. Oh, yeah. If you miss an irriga- irrigation cycle, you're not going to lose a lot of sleep over that. Um, right. Compared to the POA, for sure. And uh, right. hand watering and all those activities that we've, we'd have to do before, um, it, it's, it's, it's going to take a different mindset. Um, reduce fungicide use, fertility, all those things, and those are the things we've helped sell the project and the reason for a regrass and uh, f- fully feel that we can commit to those uh, practices in the future. Yeah, and, and so explain, so now we're, we're coming to the end of the season. When, when do you think the greens will be, um, where you're comfortable with them that they're still not considered new greens? I mean, you're still dealing with things going into this winter, right, because it's, it's a, they're, they're young they're not 110 years old. They're only a year old. You st- is there still a concern that the that the greens are young going into this winter? A little bit. Uh, not as much as last year, knowing the root depth we have. I felt we took right. – one of our goals the first season was to just really not push the envelope from a green speed standpoint, monitor them, just take it easy. And – Despite doing all of that, I've I felt we really gave them a nice putting surface. It's so different when you have a monoculture stand as opposed to multiple varieties of bent grass, different biotypes of poa. Everything's growing at a different rate. Uh, I I can't. I'd have. To, I got to look back at our notes when the last time we even mowed greens here in October because things slowed down, and when you have a, this monoculture stand, everything grows so much more equal that you really can't tell that we didn't mow for two weeks. They're still putting nice. They're not growing, so everything's very consistent. And I think that was nice. The whole month of July, I don't know, greens might have been putted eight most of the month. I didn't really care because we had a 
July was hot. We just said, we're just going to take it easy. You're going to play on new greens, but don't expect us to push the envelope because I think when any superintendent I had a conversation with about, you know, what kind of mistakes did you make the first year? What did you regret? Everything came down to self-inflicted damage of I mowed too much, I rolled too much. We we just pushed them a little too much in the, you know, while we were open. And, and I can get that because it's easy to get addicted to those things and want to prove that to the membership this is why we, we made these changes. But for us, I think we were just providing a nice smooth putting surface Let's get through that, and then let's let's kind of work work our way into the fall. And could, are there times when we pushed it a little bit? Sure. Never in jeopardy of feeling like we pushed the envelope too much, but it's the difference with the bentgrass. Now we back off a little bit, and they just kind of snap back. It's not like push and pull it to the edge, and oops, you went too far, and now we're we stressed them, and now we're going to have to deal with them for two, three weeks to get them to come back. So that was nice. And I think as as we move forward, we'll just – it just doesn't take as much to get some speed out of them. You can just – it's much easier to manage the consistency of, of things from day to day. So you know our greens. We've got a lot of slope back to front, and – Pushing green speeds out here isn't great from a, a membership standpoint of keeping the ball on the green. If if we get too high, it's right. we lose a lot of hole locations and also don't have a demanding membership that is asking for 12. It, it We just limit our hole locations so much that um, it's not really, I don't, I don't think about it a lot, you know, if, and we well, well, you, and that's a good point about your greens, though, because you have those. You have greens where if you push them too much and you put a, a shot above a green, above a hole, it's an automatic three putt. Well, we got a lot of false fronts. Yeah, you'll putt it right off the green, and and that's not fun golf. All right, we have a lot of higher handicap. I'm not. I mean, we don't have single digits out here. It's it's they enjoy playing golf. They play a lot of golf. That's for sure. But they're not. They're casual golfers who they really enjoy playing. But they're they're not uh, scratch golfers out here. So you kind of have to manage them to your membership. And uh, But back to your point, I think about it takes a couple years to reach full maturity. And we don't really only have six months. So if that's three, three full years, 12 months, or three seasons, four or five seasons for us to reach a, a real maturity. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean we, we're, you know, during we're not going to baby them completely all season long. But uh, you just you just have to learn when to when you can and can't push it, I guess. Right, and and it helps, like you said, to your point that you don't have a demanding membership, so nobody's out there screaming for thirteen on the stim meter or, or anything like that. If, no, no, from what I know of that membership. No, they want things nice, that's for sure, and I'm happy to oblige and, and give them the best conditions we can, but um, I certainly don't hear on a daily basis why are they slow or why are we, when are you going to speed them up and all those types of things that I know a lot of other guys, uh, unfortunately, probably have to deal with, but uh, pretty grateful for the 
our membership from that standpoint is of just let us do our thing. We'll give you a great product and uh, really nice greens to putt on, but we just don't have to mow and roll on a daily basis from those and, and do those types of, of maintenance practices. Give people an idea. What do you think your green speeds are on? And I hate, I don't, I don't want to focus on this, but I can't think of any other way to <laughs> get the point across of where your greens are. But what do you think you keep them out on? If I, if I walked out on your golf course on a Saturday and, August, what are your greens rolling? I would think they were closer to around 10 this summer. But I can tell you, a smooth 10 on pure 007 greens is way better. And I don't think you could have told me this before because I was maybe thought we you know, had it all figured out. But 10 on pure 007 versus 10 on a mixed stand of, of grasses is a lot different. Um, right, right. It's just anecdotal, right? I don't have anything to prove that, but... Interesting. Uh, I don't think I would have thought that. I wouldn't have thought that It either. sure feels like they put nicer. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, I just step on a green and drop a couple balls and put them and go... And it tracks nice, and it follows, you know, <laughs> the line that you put it on. And right. if that's ten, and they're putting like that, and people are happy, and there's no reason they shouldn't be. It's it's a great surface. So, right. I don't know. I shot my lowest round of my career out here this summer. So maybe. What'd you shoot? An eighty-one. Oh man, good for you. And I, I was on fire. I'd never broke ninety out here before. <laughs> <laughs> No stress. Place looked great. Greens were perfect. Uh, let's go. Let's go play. And I was playing with uh, past chairman, and we were having a great time. Career round, and I only won two dollars. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and so, and I'm assuming that the that the membership is happy with the greens too. If you are, I mean, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I haven't heard any. I haven't heard any negative comments. I think there were a lot of people skeptical uh, about us doing it and uh, apprehensive. Um, I mean, our vote barely passed, and there's a multitude of reasons for that. Some people just didn't feel it was necessary. They thought our conditions were were good, which I was appreciative of. It's like if. If you think things are nice, and that's that's a good thing, um, and and then you have a group that doesn't want to close the golf course for various reasons, um, uh, financial, uh, you know, just there's there's a lot of reasons why people would vote no, and um, and I, I can respect that. I have no problem. Um, and if if it wouldn't have passed, people asked me what I wanted. I said whatever you guys want. It's your golf course. If we don't pass this and we don't regress, we'll keep doing what we've been doing. That's not going to change. We're always going to try and strive to do better and give you a better product and, and do what we can. But it passed and our, our focus changed. And that's what I told my wife. I said, you know, there's a slim margin of victory, but uh, that it passed and whether it passed by 300 or two votes, our job was still the same to execute 
and get this to come through um, the best we can. And uh, I thought we did a pretty good job of it. So um, I think there was definitely some some rumblings. People were when they came out were shocked about how good it turned out, and and I'm pleased with that. And um, I don't begrudge anybody who voted against it. That you know, like I said, it's their course, and and they had to make the decision to to go through with it. So um, I thought it. It turned out great and uh, pretty grateful that the membership passed it and staff did an amazing job and contractor Dunnick and uh, worked with Kyle Franz on a few things. He did recontoured some greens for us and they turned out fantastic. So all in all, it was a good project and a team effort from the top down, from the board to the you know our staff and, and everyone involved. So was, I'm glad it's behind me. But then I'm looking forward to working with the new grass and getting it to maturity and uh, seeing how we can push it with, with less fertility and inputs and, and those types of things. So it's, it's uh, exciting for sure. Well, I want to thank you uh, for spending some time talking to me. I've been talking to Jeff Johnson. He's the uh, golf course superintendent of the Minicotta Club. Uh, Jeff, thank you for taking some time out of your day to speak with me. Yeah, thanks, Tony. Appreciate it. You've been listening to the Renovation Report on TurfNet Radio.